Welcome to Stockholm Food Movement Podcast, part of Sweden in Transition podcast series. In a world in need of urgent reinvention, they decided to do things differently and explain why. Our globalized food system depends on intensive monoculture and international transport. Main crops like sugar, wheat, corn, soy are commodities listed on the market. Countries specialize on specific production, losing independence and resilience. Sweden is now importing most of its food, but has recently decided to develop a food transition plan to foster local production in order to both reduce the country's carbon footprints and improve nutrition. During our conversation, we will explore the concrete actions Södertälje, a pioneer municipality here in Sweden, has put in place. Specifically, we will discover the two pillars of this strategy, Diet for a Green Planet, used as a general framework, and Matlust, a five-year EU project to develop the local food economy. I am Sonia Lehmann, and today I meet Sarah Gerfors, head of diet in Södertälje. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hello, thank you. Can you tell us your personal journey and what you do today? I am uh, the head of diet unit here in Södertälje municipality. I have the overall responsibility of all the meals in school, but also in elderly care. I love my job because uh, I can uh, support my chefs to, to make the best food. Also, I can promote producers that want to produce high-quality, full-nutritious food. We have been using the public meals connected to environmental questions and health in the beginning of 2000. We have been doing a lot of work with the farmers. We have bought a lot of the food that they are producing. We work a lot uh, with the children to teach them how to eat uh, sustainable and healthy. How come Södertälje is in advance? On the countryside, we have this village called uh, Jana. We have this biodynamic research center. They have been going on since the 60s. And around there has been like farmers, producers, suppliers, and a lot of consumers that uh, are very involved. That is why our politicians think this question is uh, very important, because a lot of people from, from Jana are engaged. It's part of the DNA. Södertälje is like the birthplace of biodynamic movement in Sweden. It's like a Nordic center for biodynamic uh, food production. And the Matlust ambition is to promote local producer. When it comes to sustainable food production, there has to be a local production. It uh, goes together. That is a great challenge because in the Stockholm region and uh, Mälardalen in general, if uh, we shouldn't uh, get any import of food to the region, there are no food. About three days, I think. One week, we are very vulnerable. Our city planning office has been working a lot with like protecting farmland. But also train citizens in general so they can grow food on their garden, in their balcony. We have these activities for citizens that give them the opportunity to grow their own food. But we also support um, organizations like social enterprisers that want to grow on uh, land the municipality owns. So we have a number of, of social enterprisers that we are supporting to produce vegetables like in the city. For example, this... Uh, vegetable gardener. People that are out of job, they can go there and learn. That has been very successful, like using it as a tool in their rehabilitation. It's a municipality where you have a lot of immigration. Yep. Farming is also a way to integrate this population. 
We have a lot of uh, people that uh, are working in this unit and uh, used to be immigrants. Quite easy to get a job in, in a kitchen, a public kitchen, and don't have the, like the language and the culture. Are you optimistic that Sweden will be able to develop local grown food? If you look at the infrastructure here in the Stockholm region, there are no infrastructure. If you want to grow beans, for example, you, you have to transport them to the south of Sweden to dry them and clean them and, and the package and everything. And then you have to transport them up here to Stockholm again. We have a great challenge when it comes to growing food here and, and consume food that are locally produced. This uh, Stockholm region uh, food strategy, they have a very broad perspective and try to engage all the relevant stakeholders and they are aware. I mean, now they are aware that uh, we are very vulnerable. So uh, hopefully we can raise uh, the number of producers over the time. Tell us more about uh, Diet for a Green Planet. It's a meal concept we invented in 2010 based on the result of a research. We also implemented it in the school meals and the elderly care, 70,000 portions. So we have been doing that since 2010. It's about that the food should be tasty and healthy. Mainly it should be organically produced, it should be locally produced uh, according to the season. We should uh, use mainly vegetables and uh, whole grains and less meat. And you should also reduce the leftover food. So that is the criteria. Today, all kitchen has their own menu. Uh, so the chef create their own menu. It's uh, based on the leftovers. It looks like there is a lot more ownership on the chef before the purchase was done at the level of the municipality. But now the chef has a, a role of uh, ordering and choosing what's going to be bought, designing the menu. So uh, it's uh, a, lot definitely. Of, a lot more responsibilities mm. then. Yes, and I would say uh, before we used a lot of uh, processed food, like anonymous fish burgers, for example. It wasn't healthy at all. <laughs> and a lot of like the sauces and the soups w was made of powder. So it was very unhealthy food, I, I should say. We should use raw materials and uh, making food from the ground. That is in the concept, like plant-based food. We use uh, meat, but like 20%, 80% should be vegetables and 20%, including the milk that they drink. On our menus, we have approximately one or two days a week. There are only vegetable offers. But uh, if there are leftovers, there can be fish or meat well, every day because it's very important that they don't throw anything away. There used to be this rule that the food that has been in the buffet, we had to throw it away. Mm. But now we have uh, developed the routines. We say that if you heat it up, carrots or cabbage, you can make a soup of it the next day. Each kitchen has their own food budget. In addition, we set goals every year. For example, this year, 65% of all food purchase should be organically produced. We measure the purchase per kitchen every month so, so that they know that they don't spend too much. But they also know that oh, the, this month, I, 70% of uh, my food budgets was organically produced. Uh, um, so I'm food. on target. <laughs> yeah. The transition is huge between a chef that has a set menu and it's mostly industrial food to a chef that is really managing its menu, its kitchen, its stock.
Did you manage to train them along the way and make sure they, they gain the competencies if they didn't have them? We have a lot of uh, co-workers in my staff. They don't have a very high education. They used to be like immigrants. And uh, when they came here to Södertälje, we have these uh, like activities. You said that uh, you have to employ 50 people that are unemployed. And you have to give them an education and they have to start to work because otherwise they won't be integrated in the, in the society. So that's why today I think I have around 65% of my staff, it's around 250 people, are from from Middle East. And they have this uh, like one and a half years education. And did you manage this transition with the same budget? We uh, didn't get an extra money to develop this concept. For example, when we started, around 5% of the food budget was organically produced food. Today, uh, we are around 60%, 60-65% of the food budget is from organically produced food. We have changed our methods. We try to use uh, whole grains uh, that grows here in Sweden instead of, for example, rice. Rice is a very popular food on the plate traditionally in Sweden, but it doesn't grow here. So uh, we try to use uh, barley for example, instead of a barley. You, you can grow barley here in Sweden and it's very full nutritious whole grain. If you compare it with uh, organically produced rice, it's the fourth maybe when it comes to, to the price and uh, it's satisfied better. Uh, so, so they don't eat as much barley as rice. And also if you use uh, vegetables uh, according to the season, And then our vegetables that you can storage, uh, root fruits and variety of cabbage, that is very cheap, actually, comparing to cucumbers and tomatoes, uh, that kind of vegetables that are mostly filled with water <laughs> and also import. So we try to avoid that kind of vegetables when it's not in season here in Sweden. We use a lot of meat that comes from the pigs that are in the wild, uh, like game. For example, minced meat from a game. You can use less because it tastes much more and are more nutritious. If you make a pasta bolognese, then you use less meat and fill it up with a lot of vegetables and maybe lentils. Uh, we use a lot of uh, lentils and legumes and, and, and also working continuously trying to reduce waste in the kitchen and in this in the restaurant then you you manage to to buy more organically produced food and the fact that you buy less fish and meat yeah they are, guess, of course is a big of source course. of uh, we have uh, reduced uh, today we have uh, approximately 45 grams per pupil each day back in 2010 before we started we had around 80 grams per pupil a day. Can you explain why eating meat is putting too much pressure on the planet? If everybody on earth would eat as much meat as we do in uh, Western countries. Because you can produce uh, much more vegetables uh, with the same energy or resources comparing to meat. I eat meat, but I don't eat as much meat. And for example, I avoid industrial produced chicken because they, they eat uh, corn and uh, uh, cereals and that if I want to eat chicken, I eat hen that formerly used, produced eggs. 
70% of the land is dedicated to feed livestock. Uh, if we were using this land to feed uh, humanity, mm. then we could end starvation on Earth. So it's just the wrong way to use land. It's a lot less effective. Oh, definitely. But we also have to try to reduce waste in, in the whole chain. That is also a problem. But mm, I totally <laughs> agree <laughs> that you sh should try to reduce the, the meat consumption. And would you say those practices are now spreading in the whole of, of Sweden? We have been sharing our concepts since 2010. There are all the time municipalities and other organizations that want to learn. What I find really interesting in this approach is the integration between the producer, the kitchen and the kids. You were saying that the kids are also involved in the design of the meal? When it comes to the menus and the children's involvement in general in Södertälje, we have this uh, rule that there should be a board on the school with children and the principal uh, and uh, the manager of the kitchen should meet at least three times a year to discuss the food quality and the things that uh, could be improved. Or Kids' representatives mm. are part of the, let's say, food board of mm. the school. Mm. And uh, also we try to support the school restaurants to invite the pupils into the kitchen when they're around 12 years old. They can uh, practice one day per year in the kitchen. That has been very successful because then you get this relationship between the staff and the children. And, so and, uh, instead of going in class, mm? they spend the morning with the chef mm. and preparing the meal. Mm. I are involved in uh, some of them are helping uh, to, to do the wash up. Uh, so, so, I mean, it's up to the kitchen and the school how they want to use the, the school meal as a tool in the mm. school. So if they want to have a school garden, there, there is a small budget they can apply for in the municipality at the city planning office, and then they can start to, to grow in the school. Apart from the changes that you're leading and that are on the way, what need reinvention? Well, other kind of regulations for the retailers, they should support nutritious food. They shouldn't be able to sell this amount of uh, snacks and uh, sweets, mm. if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> But that's where you have a, a lot of power because through the public market and through schools and you can really influence and educate and change also the supply chain mm. and set an example. Mm. But you, you can't change everything if the rest of the market, so what is sold uh, directly to consumers through the retailers, is not evolving at all. No. Today, from my point of view, that the retailers, they, they should have regulations that force them to, to, to sell more healthy food. In the stores, there should be fruits and uh, vegetables and whole grains at the core of the assortment, not snacks and, and sweets as it is today. So uh, reverse the balance. Yeah. Do you have other big challenges ahead? We use these uh, 90 units, uh, kitchens, to develop products that are s sustainable and healthy. It's a great challenge to get other the consumers or other municipalities to, to buy this food because uh, then uh, we're talking uh, habits. <laughs> I mean, it's if you're used to use a lot of uh, conventional chicken, for example, then it's uh, a challenge to use uh, Swedish-grown quinoa 
I mean, quinoa is very, it's full nutritious, a lot of protein. You could um, easily change, use quinoa instead of chicken. But uh, it's a challenge to, to make it tasty because you have to have the knowledge. You have to be strong, committed, <laughs> get the, the children to, to like these new raw materials. Yeah, when children ask for chicken and rice and you want to change to quinoa and cabbage, uh, mm. yeah, it's difficult. I mean, always when there is new things, uh, people get uh, a bit suspicious and... Uh, Oh, you, you have to, to build the relations uh, with, with the children so that they just feel safe and so that they want to taste. We have to work all the time to develop our skills. Yesterday we have these uh, chefs from uh, Oatly to use uh, oat products uh, instead of traditional dairy products. They behave in another way in the kitchen. When we arrived in the building, you showed me a room where a lot of entrepreneurs were following this program. Can you give me examples of startups or social businesses that are trying to launch? There is one entrepreneur that wants to develop seaweed and a lot of new dairy products are coming that maybe can replace this halloumi cheese. And some of them are going to compete. We have this competition that we call Motwerk. In November, you can come and taste them. <laughs> yeah, well, I often ask what you find exciting at the moment that makes you motivated on this topic. Giving the opportunity to people that want to grow vegetables by offering them farmer's land from the municipality. I think people, when they get in contact with the nature, they grow <laughs> in some way. So, so that is also very inspiring. When people get in contact with nature, they grow. I love that. That's very nice. That's a very nice thing to finish with. Thank you for welcoming me in Sardotalia. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks a lot to Sarah Gerfors for this conversation and thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, you can comment or subscribe so more people can discover it. See you soon.